You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey everyone, it's Michael Jamin. Welcome back to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. Another great guest. Hats off to me because my next guest is a friend from, I've known him for many, many years. And I honestly have to say, this guy's writing credits are outstanding. He's and he's, he's going to be embarrassed when I say this, but Jack, I'm, I'm here with Jack Burdett, and he's literally one of the most sought after comedy writers in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And Jack, before you say a word, let me let me tell you everyone what you've written on. This could take a long time because you got a lot of credits. Mm-hmm. So, well, most recently, he is the creator uh, and showrunner of The Santa Clauses, the Tim Allen show on Disney Plus where he, Santa Claus. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to skip many of your credits because you have too many. I'm just going to do some of what I think are my, your highlights. Uh, Modern Family, he wrote a Modern Family for many years. Uh, Unbreakable Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt, 30 Rock, which we're definitely gonna talk about because that is literally one of my favorite shows of all time. And I wanna know more about that. Uh, Last Man Standing, which he created. New Adventures of Old Christine. I'm with her. Watching Ellie, and I know I said that wrong. Watching Ellie, Inside Schwartz, created, he co-created Dag, Just Shoot Me, which we worked on together, Inc. Frazier, Mad About You. Uh, what else did I, I'm sure, oh, The Mindy Project. Did I, I said that right, The Mindy Project. Uh, <laughs> that's how you said that show? Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with her. And then most importantly, the one everyone knows you for, Father Dowling Mysteries. Jack, <laughs> well, thank you so much. Damn, Jack. The credits on you are are nuts. We were talking yesterday. We were picketing yesterday. And I was like, Jack, come on. You got to be on my podcast. And you were <laughs> kind enough to do this. I got a lot of questions for you, Jack. I want to talk about 30 Rock most of all. Because I had a lot of questions while we were during our three-hour hike around the Disney lot. But I was like, let's just save it for the podcast. Tell, what was 30 Rock? Because I know, obviously, you're L.A. And they flew you out because that was a New York show. So you, you yes. lived out in New York. Yeah. I mean, they didn't fly me out. I flew myself out. Um, yeah. I, okay. uh, <laughs> that's the first thing. Okay. They, don't, they don't put you up. They don't fly. No, no. It's, yeah, no, it was. Uh, but wait a minute. But do they don't, decision. do they give you any like allowance for rent or is that no, that you're just paying for it out of your they salary? They give you like a moving fee, I guess. Uh-huh. And it's not much. And it's a one-time thing. So there's no, no. It's you're, a one-time. You're, you're... <laughs> and then, so were you living in Manhattan then? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and it, it was a big decision. I mean, that came about, I was, uh, remember I was actually thinking of a career move at that point. What was the, uh, what was the move? Uh, to go to dramas. Because I'm Why? like, I don't know. A lot of sitcoms, I was like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe I want to try something new. Uh-huh. But I was supervising a pilot that season, a comedy pilot. And I remember just reading a lot of the drama pilots and go, oh, this might be interesting. And I, like even at that time, I met on Friday Night Lights, which was going to be starting up. And right. was really interested interest in that show because I thought, oh, this is a great pilot. But you um, had to put together a bunch of different drama specs, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I did that. And um and then I just read in the pack, uh, there were some sitcoms in there too. And it was the Untitled Tina Fey Project. Mm-hmm. And I read that and I'm like, oh shit, I want to be on this show. I mean, uh, it was great. But then, had okay, so then your agent submitted you and then what happened? So yeah, and, and he could not, for a long time, could not get me a meeting with Tina. 
you know, I, 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 you know, she wanted the people she wanted and she's going to do it with Robert Carlock. And I didn't know him either. And, right. and, you know, my agent really uh, spent a lot of time just saying, would you meet with this guy? And she read a spec of mine that she just didn't care about that much. So, but, but he talked her into to, uh, meeting with me. So I, uh, at some point I got a call, it was a Friday. Uh-huh. They're like, can you go to New York to meet with T? And I'm like, yeah. And they said, can you get, there's a plane leaving in like three hours. Can you get on that? And I'm, I said, sure. So I went out, I flew out on a Friday night, got there Saturday, met with her a Saturday afternoon. She was still doing, she's still the head writer on SNL. Right. She was still doing weekend update and it was a show day at SNL. I went to her office there and I just remember there was a lot of chaos going on and then like, uh, you know, Al Gore is supposed to be doing a couple bits in the episode, but they didn't know at that point whether he was going to show up or not. And uh, I was wow. curious. I go, well, what happens if you, uh, what happens if he doesn't show up? She goes, hey, you just deal with it. And I thought, she's so calm. I go, I want to work for her so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and that becomes basically an episode for 30 Rock. That's what happens. I mean, and so, all right. So I, I'm just curious about the logistics. So you right? So you, you rent a place in Manhattan, and then you shot it was it in Queens in Astoria. I imagine. No, you shot yeah, it in thirty. Uh, uh, Silver Cup. Right? So no, we shot it Silver Cup in in Long Island City, Queens. Okay. Um, uh, you know, we we would certainly shoot at Thirty Rock at times, but no, right. our our offices, our main set was uh, across the river. And then how did it work? How did, how was she able to be in the writer's room and be on set? So like, how did she do that? It was tough. I mean, it was, you know, there was a lot of uh, her shooting during the day and then some of us going to her apartment at night and writing at night. Afterwards. Uh, so your afterwards. hours must've been really tough. They were long hours. Yeah. Yeah. How, like what? Like what were your, what was your, what was a day? What was a typical day on that show? I mean, yeah, I don't know, typical. I mean, it was always long. It was always, you know, I felt like it was always at least 12 hour days, but right. uh, I mean, you know, there were times and, you know, we've been in the, you know, doing sitcoms and stuff. I mean, there were times we saw the sun come up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> it is the worst feeling. But, but that show, this was my, this was my complaint with 30 Rock. If you laughed out loud, you'd miss the next joke. It was that <laughs> funny that I, I was, I'd almost watch it in silence because like, I don't want to miss it. It was so funny that you couldn't laugh because you'd miss the next big joke, which was right around the corner. It was nuts, that show. I mean, so what, how was that diff- different for you writing on that show? Was there a different, and it was a, I don't know, what was the secret? I was a, I just loved that show. It was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There was something about it that I'm like, oh, this is a show I always, wanted to write this is and it was fun and it was like we could go bonkers at times but you'd go bonkers but then you'd ground it somehow yes yes you always you always wanted to try to ground it somewhere in there and even if you're leading up to a a a bonkers scene Mm -hmm. you uh wanted something setting up like this is the reason why this mayhem is going to happen or yeah so um, yeah, but I, I feel like on that show, you know, we've been in rooms before and you, and you pitch something really funny and everybody's like pitching on top of it. And, and then the showrunner's like, yeah, but we can't do that. And, and, and I, on that I, show, it was like, we can, <laughs> we can. <laughs> 
That, and so, I mean, is that, is that right? I mean, it was yeah, yeah. pretty much. Uh, quite often, I'm like, things that I, you know, knew if I had pitched on other shows, it would have been like, a, yeah, that's really good. We're not doing that. Right. Uh, I thought, oh, it's got a shot here. But the thing is, like, I don't remember, I don't really remember. I don't remember the the early episodes. It couldn't have started out that broad. It couldn't have, mm -hmm. right? Because no one would have approved that. The no network is going to say you'd be this crazy right out of the gate, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I it, it helped to have the power of Lauren Michaels behind it. Uh, he was an EP on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. what the show became was a bit different from when it started. And there became more frenetic and a little bit more crazy as it went along. But I mean, even in that first season, I mean, episode, uh, I don't even know, maybe it was episode nine. By episode nine, we had... Uh, Paul Rubens just playing this crazy character. Right. <laughs> and I'm it was the first time we're like, oh, maybe this is what the show can be. Oh, is really? Is that what it was? Wait, the, the one time it Sometime. hits and you're like, yeah, yeah. So when I, I'm pretty sure you, wait, you were in episode runs, weren't you? I, weren't you in it once? I, I, I was in a few. Yes. Yes. A few. And you, T we, T you Tina liked to, I think Tina and, and Robert Carlock, I, you know, I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> which is on film so which I is why they, they put you in it <laughs> i think it was but i also think it was partially i spent a, i did a lot of set duty i was on set a lot during that run uh -huh. and I, I think there's also the feeling of like you put him in front of the camera so he knows what every actor's going through uh, uh -huh. and and That's maybe funny. can you know and it, it it is helpful because in front of camera can be terrifying <laughs> <laughs> sure but tell me okay so why were you on set most of the time why did they a choose lot you? of time i mean it was just you know i i felt like in the, in the early years they just had there were a few of us it was me john Regi, mm -hmm. uh kay cannon um i don't know there was a trust in in some of us that they're like you can sit on set you can you know if something comes up you can be there help me write it because tina was there all the time right a and lot so, of the time, yeah, yeah. And so she would say, hey, can you take another whack at this terrible scene? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you guys just fix it on the set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, we did, um, we did a, when we were doing Marin, I think I've told this before, but uh, we did a scene in an anger management, um, you know, Mark was in anger management. So they had a big circle where all the other people in anger management. And so Mark yells at me, he goes, Jam, and get in here. Like he wanted to be be an extra in the scene. So I'm like, all right, he thought it'd be, he thought it'd be funny. So I'm sitting in the anger management scene and then the director yelled cut. And then I'd get up and I'd go to the director, give him notes. And all the extras like, this guy is going to get fired. What the hell is he doing? <laughs> Why is he talking to the director like that? Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. Do you remember <laughs> the time on Just Shoot Me, they were going to, he was going to put me in a scene in, in the elevator. And As, he what? said, yeah, we're, I think somebody else had pitched. Maybe it should be Bird in the elevator when George Siegel gets in there. Uh -huh. And Steve's like, yeah, fine. That that seems good. But then like the next day, he's like, you know what? Bird, it can't be in the elevator. This building is too nice of a building. <laughs> and he, he's basically going, I'm too much of a dirtbag to be That's in this. <laughs> That's ex oh my god we on um oh my I don't know if I can say which what I was on a show it was a network show and we gave the lead character the last name well you must know her Linda Vedetti you know Linda right 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So the network didn't didn't realize didn't know her name, I guess, and they didn't like the lead being named Videtti. They they didn't like that name on her. And she's like, what, what, why? <laughs> What's wrong <laughs> my name? But uh, but I, I I remember remember we, I, I, we played Jashumi at Jashumi. We played and it was busted in pre production. We played basketball and um and then I would guard you. Because you were probably 35. I was like, I get the old, give me the old man. <laughs> you were 35. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but so now we were talking about this as well yesterday. You're running uh, the Santa the Santa Clauses on uh, Disney. And we were mentioning how, I don't, I hope you're comfortable talking about this, but the stress that comes with running a show versus being a co-exec. And I wanted to get your take on what how you feel what do you what the differences are for you? What are the stresses for you when you're running a show? I mean, I guess the biggest stress of all is like if something's not working, it's on you. It's on you. <laughs> it's just on you. I mean, and I just don't sleep. And it's like, you know, I, I'm like, I'm up at three in the morning going, Jesus, if we don't figure this out, you know, there's not gonna be a script, there's not gonna be, you know, and it's just um and there's just so many. I mean, you know how it is, is a thousand questions a day, a thousand emails, texts, everything like that. And you just, you're overwhelmed. And I mean, what I like doing most mm -hmm. is writing. But isn't that the hardest? I always say that's the hardest part of the job is the writing part, right? It's really hard, but it's also what I like the most. I love writing. Like, but when they come to you with a wardrobe problem, aren't you just like, hey, Put them, put them in whatever. I don't really care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny. In fact, every time I have run a show, I always go to the head of wardrobe and I'm like, you know, I don't know anything about it. You see yeah. the way I dress. I should never, ever have a note on wardrobe. So, you know, I will always defer to you. And yet I always wind up having a couple of things like, no, this has got to be like this. Right. <laughs> you know, I wonder if you feel this way. So as well, like when I'm in a production meeting and they got a, everyone has a million questions. And I'm like, oh, I got so much work to do. Can we get this over with? I got to go back and write. Like to me, that's not even the work. That's always like, <laughs> this is like nonsense I have to deal with. Like I just had, I got the writing is the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say though, it, it, it's going to production meetings is good because you know, I think at first when you start writing, you're just like, I'll just write anything. <laughs> and then the production meeting, they say no. you know, clarifies what a jackass most of the <laughs> production thinks you are for writing. <laughs> like, a simple line is going to cause so many problems and so much anxiety right. for prop people and wardrobe and... <laughs> And special effects being stunts, stunts and everything like that. What about casting? Do you enjoy that part? Uh, no. I mean, right. it, it's tough. I mean, I know that a lot of casting now is done on, on tape. And I know that's its own problem. I know right. a lot of actors hate that. Right. Uh, but I just feel so bad. Like, and being in the room with actors and, you know, you have 15 people coming in for a role and you're like, I could give this to 13 of them. Right. Anybody, they're going to be really good. So I'm going to pick this person, 
but a bunch of people who easily could have this job will mm-hmm. not get it. I I hate being in that position. So it, it so that's what it is. It's about you not wanting to hurt people that you don't. That's the part yes. you don't like. Yes. Interesting. Because yeah, I'm like, there's so many good people out there, and there's so few jobs. Right. Yeah. What do you have? Do you have? What's your interaction? What, I guess what's your yeah? What is your interact? What do you tell new uh, actors? To, well, like, how do you make them feel good? Or in you know, do you have advice for them? I guess. You know, it's funny because sometimes it's just like they come in and and what was in my head, mm-hmm. they just nail it, and I'm right. like, that's great. But there's other times where actors will come in and do something that's completely different and mm-hmm. really surprise me and i and i go all right let's do it that way and then i will wind up rewriting uh, the role for them because do you, tell they, them, do you tell them that i have told them that yeah well how do they take what do they feel feel about that they must be very flattered yeah yeah, yeah. it's so interesting it's really because you've been doing it so long it's kind of interesting i don't really talk about this but you've been doing it so long it's really not about at this point it's not about always getting what's it out of your head casting that you're like okay yeah i'll, I'll do some i'll just surprise me do something different it's no longer about your ego at this point it's about you know just what's interesting right yeah 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 absolutely and yeah i mean i just yeah when i say i hate casting it's not like i hate i'm like rooting for everyone walk through the door i want yeah. everyone to be great yeah so, and that's it uh you know it's not because i know there's certain writers who just like <laughs> just have a sour feeling about all actors or whatever and well it's, like, I, it's not that at all uh you know in my case so you although but now because it's like how much do you do when you're watching you know on tape how, how much will you give them if they're you know like if they have the three minute you know uh audition how long will you watch the whole thing yeah, I you will. I do. I that's do. good of you. Yeah, that's really good of you because it's a you know you might be reading ten actors. Yeah, I know, but I I just feel like I owe it to them. That's really good of you, especially yeah. at the end of the day when you're tired or you have more things yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. And then on set, what else? Are, what exactly? Let's say we, I know we get back to the thirty rock, but what are you looking at when you're on set? Or is it just all script? Is it all about the words? Um, yeah, mostly. I'm not not one of those. Very rarely will I go in and go, "This is blocked wrong," or or anything like that. Or that. Yeah, it's mostly about the words. Really? Yeah. So it's not even about making sure you have the right coverage. You just whatever you you trust that to the director or the yeah the DP. Yes. I mean, yeah, I'll call it out every once in a while. I'm like, I don't think we, you know, I don't think we got this reaction. I think the actor gave us the reaction. I don't think we have it. On camera. So, yeah. Yeah, right. And you, I'm sure you learned a lot just from being in post, right? Yes. Yeah, what I is- mean, and and that, you know, I, I know it's one of the reasons where we're running circles around Disney and other studios now picketing. Um, uh you know, one of the big issues is younger writers aren't getting a chance to mm-hmm. either be on set or do post. Right. And I mean, if you're writing, tell it you got to. You have to know all this. You got to know all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't. It's so odd, like because I think they're just being short-sighted. It, it's going to be fine for five <laughs> or ten years, but 
after that, when the older writers are done, these younger writers, they're not going to have like this, this studio system. They need, they created this thing that works, this Hollywood machine that really works well. And I feel like they're just trying to save a couple of bucks, but they're going to destroy it like 10 or 15 yeah. years from now. Like, what are you doing? They, you yeah. Know, Hollywood has this monopoly that they're just kind of ruining. I don't know why they'd want to do that. Didn't your didn't your writing completely change after you started doing post the way you would write a script? Yeah, uh, it would. It would. But it would, it, not only that, it changed the way we would shoot it. Like I got, yeah. uh, uh, we were hired on a job just because Sievert and I knew how to look at the cameras. Like mm-hmm. we we were hired on for pre production, but they kept us through production because we knew what to do, how to watch the cameras, which like the other people mm-hmm. didn't know how to do. Um, but but yeah, that's so it's so. But no, you were also mentioning. Your post-production is so long. This is something I know not, very little about, uh, you know, uh, special effects. Like, what is that whole process on, you know, with the show you're on now? What, yeah. do, you need to, what do I need to know if I were to say, kill you and take your job? <laughs> uh, what you need to know is... Don't do the, it. Don't take the job. <laughs> all the effects is so much more expensive than you can ever imagine. <laughs> It, well, yeah, and yeah, how do you? So, is it a lot of green screen? Is it rotoscope? What? What is this? Yeah, yeah, it's green screen. It's it's yeah. I mean, and so like when you're on set, how do you know if they're doing it right? I don't. I never know. I don't. You know. No, you got to trust it. I guess uh-huh. the time you got to be like, I hope. Yeah, we were. You know. Yeah, we, so we you, shot stuff this year that I was just like, so the, those mountains we see in the background because this is supposed to be chicago we're in and not santa clarita um those mountains will be gone right (laughs) i don't know if there's no money in the budget suddenly chicago's gonna have a a mountain (laughs) so they'll take all of so it's all it's even that that's not even okay so it's not not even like green screen it's right it's like things to paint out or you know you know they're dealing with a a green horse head on set and Mm -hmm. you have and person talking to it and you have to trust that at some point that's going to be a character talking to a reindeer and the reindeer's talking back right right and that and that whole so you're overseeing that whole process so in other words if that if the math looks funny to you you're like nah can you do it again because the math looks stupid or yeah yeah you'll, yeah. you'll give those kind yeah, of notes yeah yeah until you're told we have no more money and no more it's like oh and then you're like oh it looks fine you know what though but yeah when we did Marin, which was such a low budget show there was one shot the cameras in front of the door the door of a house and the door swings open and for like a fraction of a second you can see the camera looking at the reflection of the camera in the door but only if you're looking and only yeah. for like a half a frame and and they they said oh we'll just take that out like the post-production supervisor says yeah hey, we have some money we'll take it out i'm like why bother like i didn't see it <laughs> But it was going to cost a lot of money. I was like, I don't. Is, does this really matter to us? <laughs> but they did. They removed it. I was amazed. It was like a five thousand dollar. Like, okay, and it doesn't make the show better. It just doesn't make it worse. I guess. Right. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's so interesting. So how do you like? What do you say? I don't know. What's it like with working with you know young writers now? What do you say to the young writers? What you know? How, how, tell me. Tell me, <laughs> what do you say? The, I mean, what's it like working with young writers? Because you're still working in network big shows. I'm on mostly low budget shows where it's like <laughs> three people complaining or whatever. I mean, it's fun. It's it's um, yeah, it's fun working with young writers. They're so uh, 
enthusiastic. <laughs> not, they are. They're very enthusiastic. Um, yeah. You know, and then, uh, yeah. And uh, look, I mean, on Santa Claus's in season one, I mean, uh, our two staff writers came in and pitched like this whole Santa Claus mythology to to dive into, and and it's really become part a big part of the show. They pitched it before they got hired or when they got hired? Uh, like when they got hired. So and they, they came in on their own. They said, Hey, what about this? And yes, that, that, yeah. That sounds and like, let's really diving into the mythology of Santa Claus and like past Santa Clauses. And, and, oh, wow. and it really kind of, yeah, opened a lot of avenues and it made it interesting. And I, I, you know, I, I honestly think it bought us when we did it last year, it was supposed to be one time limited series. Mm-hmm. And uh, it did really well. But I also think that storytelling that the staff writers brought in <clears throat> kind of helped get this a second season to like, oh, there's other other areas to dig it. We we can like it's not just about Tim Allen playing Scott Calvin as Santa Claus and he's got a family, but there's this entire world. And like, I I don't know. The mythology world that much. I'm not. I you know I watched some of these shows or whatever, but I, uh-huh. I never broken them down before. But these writers were just like a lot of the young writers are very much into that, and so I have noticed that too. When we work with young writers, they're very enthusiastic, and a lot of them come in like it's like day one, and they got piles of ideas, and mm-hmm. like you know the showrunner is like you know all right, and then <laughs> what do we got? And they come up, they start pitching their ideas, and they're like. Whew, at least someone came prepared. <laughs> Let's do their idea. Because <laughs> the older writer's like, I don't really know, you know? <laughs> we'll just have to bang our head up against the wall. But the young kids, they got ideas. Let's do those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're enthusiastic. <laughs> but, all right. And so uh, you have some, I want to go through some of your credits here. Because um, you have so many interesting, I don't know. I guess, tell me how you, I guess, let's start with this. How did you first break into the business? It's almost like it would, should have been expected of me, but I, I kind of went away from it. So both my parents did this. Right. Uh, I mean, originally from Cleveland, my dad was a greeting card writer, but then some of his friends, his greeting cards friends, started moving out to LA and working on like variety shows and and things like that. And at some point, my dad, like midlife, decides, yeah, I'm going to give that a try. Fuck all and... this sunshine greeting cards. This is some comedy. So, so that and when so, you say midlife, how old was he? He was in his forties, and he broke in in his forties. He broke in in his forties. I, I guess it was a different time. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, like so. We we uh, we stayed in Cleveland while my dad came out and for a year tried to make it, and then mm-hmm. like got on a show, a variety show. And he's like, all right, looks like I got a good job. And, uh, and what show was out. that, though? Do you remember? <laughs> yes. So it was a show called Turn On, which is famous for being canceled, even <laughs> like almost like halfway through the airing of the first episode. <laughs> At the first act break. We got to get this thing off. <laughs> There were so many calls to the network, which I, I'm trying to remember. Maybe ABC, maybe NBC. Um, Wait, there were so, so many calls complaining about it. It was like <laughs> done by some of the same people who did Laughing, uh-huh. but and it was like let's take Laughing, but like speed it up even quicker and make 
faster jokes and go all and make it insane and uh-huh. and so yeah like it had a 13 order so that's why we moved he moved the family out here and then boom <laughs> after one episode he's out of work <laughs> Oh my God, it's hilarious. That's, a, we, that's so funny. I, Steve and I, we did a show once and um, we had a long, kind of a long contract. I go, what if we have to stay on the show? Because Steve was like, this show is canceled at the act pretty soon as they air it. <laughs> and he was, he was kind of right. But, okay, so then what after that show, what happened after, after, you know, the show was canceled for your dad? So then thankfully, a little bit after that, then he started uh writing on the Andy Williams show right and uh yeah which was done at NBC and Burbank and like we live in an apartment a block from Burbank and right so kind of grew up around it I grew up in Burbank and um yeah and and then he did other variety shows Sonny and Cher was like the big one he did, but right. he did a lot of like things you probably never heard of, like the Lola Falana show and the mm-hmm. Hudson Brothers show. He did, uh, but I like, I guess like the mid seventies, he really started, he started realizing like variety shows are going away. Well, there were a ton of them. There was like Donnie yeah. and Marie. I mean, it was like the yeah. real big deal. Yeah, but he was like, he goes, I, I, he wanted to make the switch to sitcoms mm-hmm. and uh he had a writing partner and they wrote like a jefferson's they wrote on jefferson's they wrote all in the family and sanford and son all amazing and, shows and then um the guys who ran the jefferson's uh started three's company right and then that's what my dad and his partner did they they jumped ship and they they went on this new show, Three's Company, which was just this massive, massive hit. Um, I mean, but all those shows were massive. Those yeah, were, yeah. Uh, all of like yeah. my favorite shows. I didn't know he did Three's Company. Oh my god. Yeah. So I think I think he wound up writing probably more episodes of Three's Company than anybody. It, I think it, so. Did, were you? Did you go to set a lot? Did you like what was like? Yeah. So him? and it was funny. So yeah, I would. I would. I was kind of fascinated by it. I got a kick out of it. I never thought of it as a career. I'm like my brother and my sister are really smart. And I'm kind of like the dummy of the family. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I always thought like, oh, you know, maybe they'll do something in this. My brother would make like home movies. He's always making movies with those super eight. Um, but uh yeah, I just like going. I thought it was fun to uh-huh. like. I would go to Sunny and Cher, go to see those tapings, and then down the hall, All in the Family would be shooting. And my dad would go, "You want to go down and see All in the Family?" Like, yeah, I went down, you know, and just some dumb, dumb kid wandering around CBS Television City. And then we'd go by and like I'd watch Carol Burnett being filmed and um, amazing and never never occurred to me that this could be a career in any way i don't know Um, why your dad was doing it yeah i don't know i really because i'm like these are all smart funny people doing it i guess and then you went to the weren't you in the military after did you not or somebody else oh okay all right so i was not 
My oh. daughter went in the military. So right, I I think, no, I, I know, but I thought you did, but I, I guess I uh, did. But wait, but I know. No, oh, no, no. I oh, I worked at I worked at Lockheed. I I did. I mean, they make they make guess, stuff in the military. I worked maybe on missiles, cool. so maybe maybe. <laughs> what did you do in the missiles? What you put gunpowder in it? I, I mean, I, honestly, I don't think I'm allowed to say everything I did. Is that right? You had security <laughs> clearance. Probably should have said missile. I, I can say missiles. It's been we, a long we know Lockheed they made missiles. So. Right. <laughs> wow. You know, my college roommate, um, he was on Secret Service detail for many years. And when I ran into him at uh, a college reunion, I hadn't seen him many years. I was like, dude, I can't believe you're on Secret Service. Like, how many of them are you? How, how many are there on the Secret Service detail? And he goes, that's classified. I go, that's the answer I wanted. That's all I wanted. <laughs> I don't care about the number. I want you to tell me it's classified. <laughs> but okay, so, all right. So then at, at what point after you decided you didn't want to make missiles anymore, did you get into comedy writing? So the one thing I did know I could do was write. Uh -huh. I, How? How did you know? Just in high school. I mean, uh -huh. like I said, I'm I'm kind of a dummy. And I barely graduated from high school. And the only way I graduated from high school was I loaded up on any course that had writing in it. Uh -huh. I'm like, I can BS my way through this. Right. So um, so I knew that. I also knew I enjoyed writing. I would just write stuff all the time. Right. And and then I, uh, I like journalism a lot. And uh, so... You know, after high school, um, did a little bit of college, but not really. Didn't, and I uh, worked at Magic Mountain as a ride operator. Uh, and uh... hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you, and it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watchlist. <laughs> Got uh, in. Started going out with another ride operator, and... Uh, at some point she got pregnant and we're like, eh, let's get married, see how this goes. <laughs> we're <laughs> dumb teenagers and we got married and we're still married today. So <laughs> But then how did you I had to uh, uh, go, but, go but, on. Oh no, I was just saying. So because of that, because I had to be responsible, mm -hmm. I can't continue working as a ride operator. Then I worked at Lockheed, and that's where I did the missiles thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but my wife, her friend, uh worked at the daily news uh los angeles daily news and um she knew i was interested in journalism and uh she got me a job as they call them copy boys at the time uh, -huh. uh they're editorial assistants basically a pa for newspapers right and back then stuff still came over the wire wasn't computer and you'd rip the wire and get different people and so i i was working there for uh, a few months and still hustling, like trying to pitch editors on, can I write something? And they're like, who is this dumb kid? <laughs> um, but then, um, yeah, I I met the entertainment editor and just started hanging around and he mm. took a liking to me and uh, I got an assignment. 
uh, to interview a band and uh um and that was kind of my first well, it was my first writing gig my first professional <laughs> writing what was the band uh it was a country group called alabama oh sure and so, then but that's just but that's not sitcom right that's not narrative that's... no so and i was <clears throat> i was really happy working for newspapers i was uh -huh. i i really enjoyed it but while i was working there I was working with a couple other other reporters who wanted to get into script writing uh-huh they had heard at one point about my dad right they're like why aren't you doing this i'm like yeah you know he does it and he does it really well why would i i don't want to i guess that's the biggest part of it is my dad did it so well i didn't want to oh. be the guy who's like trying to do the same thing right and and not and and being bad at it and i think that was that was always a fear but like one of these reporters he had been like in special forces and he wanted to write action movies uh -huh. so the three of us would would sit there and write these spec action movie scripts uh -huh. um we'd get drunk a lot too and 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 sort of write and doing that and you know we got an agent not a very good agent uh -huh. but we got an agent and uh, nothing was happening with that and and at some point i'm like you know what we should try tv and the guy who was in the special forces he's like i don't like tv i don't watch tv and he really didn't but you know I think I convinced I I think at one point we wrote a, a cheer spec. Right. Um, you know, and and I mean I wrote a lot and I mostly wrote specs on my own because uh -huh. I just liked writing. I mean, geez, I probably I wrote a, so wrote the cheers, you wrote a Roseanne, wow, probably a home improvement. Um but did you really know then like how to write like how had act breaks did you really i mean you made there's a difference between knowing I, how to writing and no, like enjoying writing and knowing how to write so i didn't i didn't know what i was doing and it's so weird because i didn't really go to my dad mm -hmm. for advice and by this point my mom was also a tele became a television writer she was writing in, in one hours right and i did not <laughs> bugged them about it and it was it was just idiotic and i think there was an embarrassment on my part or i i'm not sure exactly why I, so um but i got a job reading scripts picking up so um did it for like tristar uh -huh. did it for disney channel did it for a couple of play as a script reader and doing notes and and that to me was the education Really? And I started to really see what worked, what didn't uh -huh. in the scripts. And I remember because I, I read a couple books and read articles on on writing, and it was always like those first ten pages better be great, right? And I did discover a world where so many people had a really strong first ten pages, and then it all fell off a cliff. And I'm like, no, I think it's those middle of the scripts that. Uh... <laughs> But, you know, if you can nail that, then then you're in good shape. But when uh, did you? Because I, I, for me, it really took many years, even as a after we became professional writers, before I really kind of understood how to write. You know, it was yeah. mostly relying on more senior writers to do the right, heavy lifting. Right. But when did you figure that yeah. out? I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I like I said, I did the the script reading. I'm still doing journalism. Mm -hmm. Did the script reading on the side, and I think. 
that really helped. Then I got a job uh, at Disney as a script reader. I was like full time on the lot doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just around it and around people who talked about scripts and uh, which is really, I would go to meetings that I should not have been in. Uh-huh. Like I was in meetings with Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Kassenberg and, and like where they're talking about projects coming up and, and how to, you know, <clears throat> do this or do that. And I also didn't know my place. I would like, I remember one point arguing with Eisner and then after the meeting, my boss said, you can never do that again. <laughs> You know, we did this show for him. This was a Michael Eisner show. Yeah. And we would try to, uh, he was a good boss, but we would try to convince him. He would, if he was stuck on something, there was no way you were going to change his mind ever, not in a million years. And so, you know, it was his way. Okay. But for the most part, he let us do what we wanted. But once in a while, he'd say, no, we're not going to, we're going to do it my way. (laughs) You have the money. Yeah. <laughs> but so you felt so there was there was one point. So there was a project. It was for the Disney Sunday movie. Uh-huh. Um and Disney had signed these triplets. These these they're called Creole, Creole triplets. And uh-huh. um um they were cute, I think 16-year-olds. And Jeffrey Kassenberg wanted a show. Where, or a movie where on their 16th birthday they discover their witches. Okay. And so it was kind of charmed before charmed. Right. Um, and because I had been in those meetings where Kassenberg talked about. It. So they hired a writer, and that writer, the first writer they got, didn't really nail it. Mm-hmm. And then because I had been in those meetings, I gave notes on it. They wanted me to give notes and say, this is what it should be. Wow. And that, and then they wound up going with another writer and she wasn't nailing it. And like, I gave notes and she did another pass. And it's like, I'm like, I know this isn't what he wants. And so I did what you're not supposed to do. And over a weekend, I rewrote the first 30 pages okay. of the script. And I went in Monday and I gave it to my boss and I said, Here's what I did. And she said, you can get fired for this. Why can you get fired for that? Because I'm a reader. I'm not allowed to take a project and, and do my own pass but, on it. But, but why not, though? Because it's like, I don't know. It's, there's still her version and then there's your version. It, it's a rule. Or maybe they just wanted that. to fire me. I don't know. <laughs> OK. Yeah, I don't know how the rules are. OK, so you yeah. did this. And she said, so, you shouldn't so do this. She goes, yeah. She goes, you can get fired for this. I go, I know. But. Could you read it? Mm-hmm. And later that day, she came in my office. She goes, this is really good. Um, I want to pass it up. Well, once again, I pass it up. You might get fired. Mm-hmm. I went, okay. And it got passed up. And Kassenberg said, have this guy write the script. Then fire him. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and was so your... that, that was my first. Uh... That was your first break. Yeah. Wow. And it never got made. Right. Because, yeah. Because uh, things don't get made. That's how it is. Things don't get made. But then it got me, I started like rewriting some Disney Channel uh-huh. uh, projects and a couple. Yeah, it was all these things. Nothing ever got made. Um, I remember 
I was hired <laughs> to write the new Mickey Mouse Club uh, and then suddenly lost the job. And I, I still don't know what happened. I was you don't know. And, they're, and they're like, nah, yeah, no, you're not going to do it after all. Or, you know, that was wow. the, the one with Ryan Gosling and Britney Spears. And Oh, my God. Wow. Launch them. <laughs> it could have launched your career. I know. I could be hanging out with all of them now. It'd be so much fun. Um, you know, and so, yeah. And so I was doing that, still working newspapers at times, still doing some uh script reading my my the whole script reading career too i was like always like looking for things and i think the only success story i ever had was i uh found an article in american heritage magazine about mm -hmm. a newsboy strike in the 19 early 1900s against pulitzer and uh and hearst and I passed along because Disney was always looking for things for kids uh, that kids could be in. And I said, Hey, I think this might be a movie. I never pitched it as a musical or anything. I never, I thought it was a straight ahead thing, but it was like newsies. <laughs> and they, right. That became that, but you didn't have other, so they just, whatever your job is to come up with ideas or you found an idea, you pitched it yeah, or you yeah. put it up the ladder, but you didn't get any credit. You don't get it. No, no. It was just, that sucks. And that's it. Uh, but yeah, but you know, also I I made money reading scripts for years and that was the only thing that ever. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't, you know, you're, I mean, you weren't raking it in as a script reader, right? No, I mean, no. Right. No. no, it was mostly, yeah, it was, it was actually a tough job for, yeah. for the little money. But uh, like I said, I think that's where I learned everything. So, wow. so that was helpful. And then, yeah, and, and then I was still kind of kicking around, picking up little projects where I could and still working in newspapers. And I covered the the riots in uh, in 92, the LA riots. Right. <laughs> and was so shook up by it. And so like, I really thought I was going to die. After. Uh -huh. I, I, it, everything was, was terrifying. And, uh, you know, I, like at this point, I got four kids. I'm like, I'm, I'm, none of them will ever be able to go to college or anything because I'm just scraping by. And, and I was like, I really need to write a great spec and try to get into sitcoms. And it was right. finally like, then I'm like, I'm really going to try this. And like, I wrote a Seinfeld spec that got, uh, wound up getting me with contacts I'd made, wound up getting me a really good agent and and you know within a few months i was on mad about you on the staff that was and how many years were you on Mad about you two i did two years on mad about you that was a really good show and then frazier of course and then and most also well not most recently but pretty recently modern family the thing that strikes me about modern family is like everyone in that room pretty i imagine it was a showrunner potential showrunner had run shows like it's crazy yeah like it was really a talented room yeah i mean yes like yeah it was like i like being on a show early on and really being able to put whatever fingerprints i can on it and, uh -huh. and direction and take character and like oh let's let's do it i like being at the creation of something mm -hmm. um but there was something 
really nice about coming in a modern family at the end. And I only worked on the last three seasons of that show uh, and just being no stress, no pressure. It's just like, I'll tell some of my weird family stories and maybe they'll become, maybe they'll go in the episodes. And, and uh, because it, mu it must be nice knowing that like anyone in that room is capable like it's okay if you're having an off day. Someone yeah. else will be fine. Yes. You know, you're yeah. in good hands no matter who's talking. It was amazing. Yeah, amazing. It's room. unusual. Or rooms. <laughs> yeah, because there's in multiple rooms. And <laughs> yeah. did you go back and forth? Because obviously Steve ran one room and Chris the other. But did you jump back and forth, or were you in someone's room most of the time? Um, I think the first season I was there, I was mostly in Steve's. The second uh -huh. season. It was about half and half in the third season. It, I was mostly Chris's. Do you know why? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> why? Like, I would be like, wait, why was, does he not like me? And then if I got into that room, wait a minute, he doesn't like me anymore? Like, I would be paranoid no matter what room I was in. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but do you know, yeah. it, it was just they wanted to mix it up or what? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, like that first year, whatever room you started in, you're kind of there. Uh-huh. And I when I say first year, my first year. It was right. year nine of the show. Right. Um but um and then there was a an concerted effort. The writer said, you know what? That got too weird last year. Let's always keep mixing it up. Okay. And uh so season ten, we really everybody I think did about half and half. Uh, you can answer this room. now, <clears throat> but did you watch every, before you got there? Did you watch every single episode, or no? Yeah, so I had watched the show uh, pretty much every week. I think like the first three seasons, and then right. you know, and then what happened in life, and uh, so when I knew I was going to go on the show, I got episodes four through eight, and okay. I just watched watched them all. And which is a horrible way to do it because Why? I just binge because <clears throat> nothing lands. Because oh. then I found myself pitching things and they're like, we already did that. And I'm like, really? And then they would tell me the story. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> was like, that the one I slept through? That... <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I felt like my, every, I think I waited too late. Like, oh, I'm going to start there next week. I got to binge every episode. So... <laughs> Wow. And then, of course, uh, yeah, you created uh, Last Man Standing. Now you work with Tim Allen again. And yeah, I don't know. What, 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 what do you see? What does the future look like? I don't know. How does it change for you? What, what's your you know, perception of what's going on with the future of writing? <laughs> writing. I mean, Make me feel good. Yeah. I uh... <laughs> Make you feel good. Yeah. I. I... <laughs> I decided I have to stop. <laughs> I have to censor myself on the on the picket line because yeah. I have a such like um it's rough. I I think you know what we talked about earlier uh, you know young writers are not learning the skills to to run a show or whatever yeah. and 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 it's really I think that has to change. I think for the, for the sake of the business yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, for the future, it's 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 tough. Uh, I I hope we've hit the low point right now, mm -hmm. and that you know 
things get a little bit better. Um, you know, but the business is broken in a way too. And, yeah. and, you know, I think business has to figure itself out and, and, uh, as much as, as, you know, writers got to figure out what their place is in the business. But, uh, you know, I keep hearing not all these streamers will exist in a couple of years. Right. Right. And I'm like, what does that mean though too? And, and are networks dead or not? Or I don't know any of this. I it's, it's, and I've never felt like I don't have a handle on the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, I, you know, I I don't know. It's interesting because we we sold a pilot to I don't say which one we, to a streamer. This is I don't know a year or so ago, and then we turned it in, and it just sat on someone's desk for probably close to a year before they finally said it's dead. Like it took them that long to say. Yeah. And then I think what happened was, like usually you find out in a couple of weeks or whatever. But I think what happened was they couldn't decide if the streamer was dead or not it wasn't really about the show it was oh, about the wow. future of the stream i think that's what they're thinking about it's like are we really going to do this like why are we in business so i, I don't know i can't uh, believe netflix is thinking that way but uh <laughs> <laughs> between me and you you hear it um, here first so you heard it here first <laughs> but you know what though jack you are like awesome i said this to andy gordon because and you know and obviously um he's just enjoy he really enjoys writing and you're the same way i feel like you're just like yeah. any will write any like whatever i don't really care i'll just write something as long as i'm writing you know I yeah the same way that's you know? that's it i mean yeah i <laughs> i'm always just writing things just because i do enjoy it. yeah andy you're right andy is <laughs> another person i know like just loves it loves yeah andy not only loves writing so much loves everything about the business he does he does and, I, and it's infectious being around him yeah how, how much he loves it he loves it he'll take pictures we did a show um we did a show in the scrim in the back you know back on stage was uh you could see his house it was a hollywood scrim and you could see his house in that hill and <laughs> he was so excited to see his house in the that's, scrim because awesome. <laughs> you know he always walks around with the camera he takes you know he captures every moment because it's so exciting to him he's but also the, just one of the funniest writers oh, hilarious. like like i you know just shoot me when you're i'll say like being in that room that was such a great room it was. and and i also just remember because i do love right and i i'll work harder than everybody because i also feel like i'm not as funny as like i in that room i'm like i know i'm not as funny as andy or danny or you i don't I mean, that jack no, no, absolutely. 100%. Like, I, you know, I, I'd be in that room and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not going to out funny these guys, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> maybe work, you know, and I, I did have a, I have a nice reputation. The best thing I've had is that I turn in great first drafts. You do. And that always been my thing. It's like, cause I don't eat or sleep when I'm working on a draft and I just, cause, and it's just out of fear. Cause I'm like, I gotta be as good as everybody else who's just so naturally funny i don't and know it was just i would just grind and grind and grind and even when we're in a room and like going down a road and everybody's pitching really funny things i'm like i'm not gonna be able to join in and out pitch them so my whole strategy was always 
is there another way to go with this story? How funny. And, and so sometimes I would just like, sometimes I couldn't figure it out. And I'd just be a quiet guy in the corner. Other uh -huh. times it'd be like, yeah, that's great. What if we did that? And I felt like that was sometimes my skill. Of like, but even, but wait, but if the, if that well, first way was getting traction, if the first idea was getting traction, you wouldn't, you wouldn't derail it with a pitch that said, what about that? No, but I was like, no, not, not saying like send the whole story, but like another way to wrap up that scene or another way uh -huh. to, you know, try to come up with just something like if it's heading some, you know, to surprise people and like, yeah, this is funny. This is funny. It's going this way, this way. Oh, that happens. I, I don't know what season just showed me it was. We were in one of the bungalows. I don't know, whatever it was. I have a clear member of you coming out of your office. You're off on draft on script. And you come in and you you were just exhausted and it was just, it was like oh man poor jack is on script because yeah you were you were really in it man like you yeah. were when you're on script it's yeah i remember i remember that really well you were like suffering and you always turn in terrific drafts like i don't know what you're talking about because it was always funny on page and that's mm -hmm. that's the most important thing is it funny on you know and i don't even know how you did it because you know when seifert and i worked together we know it's funny because the other person's laughing, but uh, I always felt like, how do you know it? Because, <laughs> you know, how do you know? I, I don't know how you did it alone. I really don't. Like, how do you knew? How do you know it was going to be funny when you turned it in? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I always felt like though there was like, it felt like on almost every draft I turned in, there was always like one or two jokes where people go, I don't get this. And I'd be like, I'd start to defend it and then realize like, yeah, no, it's, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't get it either. <laughs> I thought I was going <laughs> to pull the wool out of your eyes. But do you keep like some kind of notebook now when you have ideas or, you know, what do you do? No, I used to. I used to carry a notebook everywhere I went. And really? I don't anymore. And I don't know. At some point, I'm like, eh, if I don't remember it, it wasn't that good to begin with. But right. I know there's a couple of things I've forgotten. I'm like, I know that was good. But I can't <laughs> remember what that was. <laughs> that's that's exactly what Siebert and I say when we're on Tacoma FD because we don't we don't take a lot of notes. And there was <laughs> our feelings. Like, well, if you don't remember, it was probably it was probably no good. And like, no, but it was good. Eh, I don't know. Maybe I should maybe I should write it down. I guess. <laughs> Oh, we should feel like you can come up with something else. It's like, you know, it's not, not the end of the world. You come up with something, you know, a better joke or whatever. Right. <laughs> anyway, that's so funny. Well, Jack, I want to thank you so much. This is an interesting talk. I, I, I really enjoy this. This is, I definitely enjoy getting your perspective on all of this. Um, damn, honestly, I, and I have to, I'll say one last thing before I let you leave. You were always very supportive because I was a younger writer on Just Shoot Me and you were very supportive of me. And I remember you, I remember you sticking up for me one day and, and I really appreciate that. I don't remember what it, the details, but I said something, it was a joke, <laughs> we're pitching on something. It was probably like 10 o'clock at night. I was probably, everyone's probably exhausted. And I pitched something that was like kind of incoherent and, <laughs> and, and someone started making fun of me, which you're supposed to do in the writer's room. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to make fun of the other person, <laughs> but you came to my defense. You're like, no, this is his process. This is how he comes up with stuff. Leave him alone. And I always remember that. And like little things like that, you know, it's very, mm. that's like important, you know. Oh, well. It, it really yeah. meant a lot. It really meant a lot to me. <laughs> no, I, I like I liked your process too, because it was all out loud and you would try to. That's the bad part. <laughs> no, but it was, it was interesting to me because I'm like, oh, it's, I feel like it's what happens in a, 
music studio and, and I'm trying uh-huh. to figure out the thing. Like, yes, I, most people I think would, would keep try to too. figure it out in their head. But but I also felt like with your process, because you're trying to get it right, you would like mm-hmm. throw something out and like then work it and work it. But I also felt like there were times where you throw something out and you started working it, but then somebody else would pick up on it. And I'm right. like, oh, maybe, because to me it was like, I always kept it inside until I felt like it was I it was 100% cooked. And, I'm, and I probably shouldn't have at times. At times but, I'm like, I should have thrown something out that was half cooked and maybe gotten some help. But that's the thing. And I feel like, like I should have, yeah, I should have not say everything out loud. Like, you know, because that also can be a burden when, you're just spewing out stuff that's not ready to be heard. Then everyone's like, shut up. So I can think, you know, but I, what, I think it's like, whatever you're doing, you're always, am I doing it right? Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Whatever you're doing, you always, I always feel like I'm, you know, probably doing it the wrong way. You know, someone else is doing it better, you know? Right. Um, well, and that's one. And, and, and this, I guess would be the advice for younger writers. If, if they ever happen to get into a room too. Yeah. It's just like, one thing I learned very late uh, in life on this is like every writer in that room is terrified that they're failing. Yeah. <laughs> even the veterans, even yeah. the ones who've been doing it a long time, they're just like, oh shit. Oh man, if I don't, <laughs> I gotta get this. Everybody is in their own heads. And, but do you, and, do you still feel that though? I mean, no, like, do you feel like other veteran writers that you currently work with or work with in the recent past feel that way still? I think the really good ones feel that way. Really? Yes. They feel like they're not, they're, they're, str- they're not, this is all garbage. It's all gone downhill. Yeah. Really? The yeah. good ones. Interesting. I'll have to get names from you. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I certainly feel like whenever we start a script, I'm like, ah, oh, crap. You know what I really feel? I felt like, and I remember on Just Shoot Me feeling this, every time you write a story, you break, we, someone, we would break a story in the room and I always felt like, well, that's it. There's no more stories. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Like, how could there be more? It took us, it took a week to figure out this one. Yes. Yeah, I know. It was all, yes. Especially Um, those times where it really took a long time. Yeah. How did that take so much? We're we're done. Yeah. We've explored these characters too much. And now. (laughs) But you must have felt that way in Modern Family, though, when you've done season nine. Right. (laughs) I mean, you've done everything. I mean, I, I know in Simpsons, they say, yeah, but we've only done it three times. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we can still do it. We still spend one more time out of it. But, you know, that shows 30 years old or whatever. God. But it's incredible. Uh, all right. Well, Jack, thank you again so much. Yeah. It really was a, such a pleasure. This is a good talk. Uh, all right, everyone. Until next week, keep uh, keep tuning. Keep keep writing is what I, awful, I always say. All right. Thanks again, Jack. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you're interested in learning more about writing, make sure you register for Michael's monthly webinar at michaeljammin.com slash webinar. If you found this podcast helpful, consider sharing it with a friend and leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. For free screenwriting tips, follow Michael Jammin on social media at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow Phil Hudson on social media at Phil A. Hudson. This podcast was produced by Phil Hudson. It was edited by Dallas Crane. Music by Ken Joseph. Until next time. Keep writing.